Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hockey. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. You know, we play, right? And we talk to the guys about embracing the way that we played here tonight. We, that's how we have to play, a gritty, determined game. And, um, you know, against a, a real good offensive hockey club that put a lot of pressure on us. And we we did a lot of good things um, in the areas that we haven't done good things as far as defending and uh, managing the puck very well tonight. And, um, you know, obviously Flower was good, but... Uh, but we did a lot of good things defensively as well. And with that, welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad, my voice on the road to recovery. It's getting better. <laughs> Declan Goff uh, and the Vikings. The Vikings. The Wild finally uh-huh. have a regulation. My my brain's going, but my, my voice is better. Uh, the Vikings uh, are a topic that we will get, get to uh, on Mackie and Judd. But the Wild finally have a uh, regulation win, their first of the season. They beat Vancouver what, in overtime. They lost to Boston the first game of a five-game road trip in overtime. Uh, Flower was, I thought, remarkable last night. Mm-hmm. They beat Montreal, um, a Montreal team that has played pretty well so far. I don't think they're a very good, good team. But here's my first question to you. So the Wild wins 3-1, to 2-1, to one, but they also got a Yule Eriksson empty net goal. All right, the theme of, I think, the team last night, and I know you're going to be shocked by this, Valley Sports North telecast, was that, you know, the Wild has now found their identity. They, they have now found, after, you know, an early season struggle, the Wild has now found an identity for the season. How much are you buying that after one game? Not that I didn't like things I saw, and we'll get to those, but I'm just curious your thoughts on this whole thing of, okay, now it's just all fixed. Uh, Well, it's not... F- finding a new identity the way they won yesterday is how they should be winning games like that that that's the frustrating part that's that's why it was so kind of staggering watching these first five games because they weren't clearing shots they weren't blocking shots they made life difficult on their goaltender their goalie wasn't bailing them out in the first few games five on five I still don't really like this team it's still kind of underachieving massively Um, so finding their identity I don't know if they found a new one but the way they played against Montreal, that's how they should be playing. That that That's the expectation of how they should be playing. Is it all fixed when you beat a Montreal team, to your point, that maybe is off to a better start than anticipated, but certainly it doesn't scare me, and a place where you probably should find a win regardless? Yes. Um, I, I thought yesterday's win was a step in the right direction for sure, but think about it. I mean, Brandon Duhame had to take the game over for you. Uh, Joel Erickson next scored the, overtime, or the, excuse me, the empty netter. Flurry was phenomenal. The first goal I didn't yes. love. I know it was kind of fluky because it went off Middleton sticks, but he's got to have that saved. But it's I, one goal, though. You're right. I I, I, I thought in general it was a step in the right direction, but not everything's fixed. Like Brandon Duhame was your most noticeable player on the ice last night, and and good for Duhame having a homecoming and getting a a couple goals. That's great for him. But yep. still, I have major questions and major kind of concerns about how this team's playing five on five, and just in general them being crippled to the special teams. Step in the right direction, but not everything is fixed by any stretch of the means. 
the one thing that I didn't think got mentioned uh, on the telecast that I would have liked to have seen talked about a little bit was um, I didn't I was not impressed with the third period. Uh, I thought the third period there were I mean M- Montreal for a large part of that period took the play to them. Uh, that's not acceptable. This is yeah I so I think the juggled lines helped a lot. Like they clearly hit on some chemistry things for whatever reason. Duhame with Eck works. Uh, it's my opinion that uh, we're that what we've seen small sample size. Jost with Eck isn't great. Um, I thought that they hit on the right line combinations last night, but I want to I want to start in goal, Dex, because Flurry was, in my opinion, last night going home to play in Montreal, stopping twenty six to twenty seven. And you're right, the one goal was a bad goal, but that being said, it's one goal. Um, the last two games, he has been phenomenal. The overtime loss in Boston on Saturday, he stopped 39 of 43 shots and made, I mean, saved them big time. Last night, same thing. Third period, same thing. Like, again, I didn't think that they played a very complete game. Um, and if you're playing a really good team, you probably lose. But Flurry was outstanding. I think the bounce back of the flower from just an atrocious start. Now it was a small, it was four periods, but it was atrocious. The bounce back of the flower from those two starts uh, to the last two games, especially, I think is great news because he has looked, he he has been in both games, in my opinion, their top star. He has made some phenomenal saves. Yeah, he he really is looking like he's kind of hopefully tracking back in the right direction. Garen, I know, talked about how he didn't really have a more formal training camp. He kind of took a little bit to get ready. And in general, he likes, he's someone that likes to get a lot of work in. And, and I, I feel like, you know, the first two games was how atrocious he looked um, and getting his just stat. I mean, his stats will have to take a while to rebound just because of how poor that start was in the first two games. Um, I thought the last few, he's looked a lot better, uh, a lot more like the goalie that he was two years ago in Vegas. That one of Vesna, um, a goalie that you can rely on for the most part, to be honest. Uh, I still, the the weird part is those first five games, I think we probably mostly would have said the goaltending has been the biggest issue. Maybe the most, most three or four games, the goaltending was the bigger issue. I still believe the team's play on five on five is a, a way bigger issue. I believe only now uh, they went into that game with only eight five on five goals so far this season. And you cannot be crippled to a power play. It's great the Wilder finding success in the power play. That, that's awesome. Finally, you're finding success on the man advantage. But when you're crippled to it, it's almost becomes, I'm going to use a kind of an obnoxious comparison here, it's like a drug. It, you, you are relying on something that only happens in a small period amount of time and, and that isn't consistent enough for you to win games if you're only scoring on the power play. So I think Flowers' game is getting back in the right direction. That's good and great. Um, I, I love to see that. I have bigger questions with how this team is playing five on five. I think Marc Andre Fleury is going to be Marc Andre Fleury. He's going to be a, a slightly above league average goalie. If he returns to Vesna form, great, but he's probably going to be somewhere between an above average goalie. That's probably his ceiling for this team. But this team has to figure out its five on five play. That that is where that is honestly my 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 biggest thing that they need to figure out if they want to start winning more games. And I, I guess the good news from last night is that they did score the three goals five on five because they, they went zero for three on the power play and didn't have a uh, a uh, shorty as well. But yeah, I mean there there's definitely things here, and that that's the point. It's like that's that was my whole takeaway from the telecast last night. Is you can't just say, well, the Wild's back now. They found uh, they played a much better style of hockey against a team that's not great, and that's good because a, a road win is a road win, 
and things seem to have, at least for the time being, the bleeding seems to have stopped. But there are still things that need to improve. Uh, one thing I saw last night that was a positive, but it drives me crazy, is uh, the juggling of the defensive pairings. L- landed Dumba with John Merrill on the third pair. And I think the next stop, if Matt hadn't had a good game, was the press box. Uh, that being said, I thought Dumba at times last night, again, looked like his old self. He looked far better, which absolutely drives me crazy because my question is, where's that been? I thought on Saturday against Boston, he was unplayable. He was horrible. Like, he was absolutely awful. Uh, there were there were times, not the complete game probably last night, but there were times last night where I thought that Dumba looked like his old self a bit, um, which le- leads me to the question of, okay, is this the guy that we're now going to get consistently? Um and here's why, here's why I think it's a legit concern. It's been made very clear by the powers that be that the Wild sees Dumba as a key locker room chemistry guy. Like, they love him for that. And he's a good guy, and that's great. But, you know, if you're going to be a key guy in the locker room who people are going to look up to and look at, then I don't think that a disappearing act is, is something that you can tolerate. Because uh, that's what people look to. Uh, and I don't know what the problem was. I don't know why... It, the chemistry with Dalben Brodeen suddenly seemed to be gone, but you at the very least need from, from here on out, if he's going to play consistently, you need far more consistent play. Like we saw probably last night from Matthew Dumba. Yeah. I, I just, I think this is it. Um, I think this is the last year. I'm not suggesting he's going to be moved at the trade deadline. Now, if, as we get closer, maybe that's the case, but I, I, I don't think you can pay him again in the 6 million per range. If he wants to take a discount, Go for it. I guess you can maybe work out something there, but I don't think he would. Um, he just the, the the last two two and a half years, basically post to Chuck injury, he just isn't the same player. Um, he's not a player I can pay also six million dollars per season. And even though he's great in the locker room, like your point, that's all good and grand, good and grand. And that that locker room was so toxic before with other players that it was good for Garen to kind of clean it out. I respect that. I love that that that's kind of gotten cleaned up. But I think this is it. I think this is the last season of Matt Dumba. Um, you know, they have Kalen Addison, who's clearly he has looked that he's ready to play NHL games. He looks he's been one of their few bright spots throughout this slow start. He's been legitimately one of their better players. Um, Brock Faber from the Gophers is probably going to make the jump here after his junior season. I just don't believe there's room for Matt Dumba after this year. Uh, so you ride it out, and hopefully, yes, he finds his game. Because right now, okay, but let's not worry about him leaving in free agency or him working in it or being moved in a trade. His game was so poor in the first five games. It looked like he was legitimately going to get scratched. I mean, he was terrible, especially in Boston. Um, yep. And maybe him moving that third pairing, takes some pressure off him. He's able to play more of his game. He's not pressing too much again. Good and great. Uh, but I, I just think that we're probably seeing the writing on the wall. If this is Dumba's final season in Minnesota. Yeah. And that's fine. I just want to see, I want to see him be playable. I mean, l- last night. Okay. Four block shots, four hits. That's fine. That's what you want. Um, a guy who looks completely clueless, who can't hold the puck in, like that was just weird. And so, yeah, you know what? I agree. I think he's probably gone. But as long as he's going to be here, he needs to be a guy that can, that that you know, whichever pairing he's put on at this point in his career, which is well into his career, he can be relied upon to play. Um, the juggled lines. All right. I'm going to give you my first thought. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before we at least start to see 
Marco Rossi worked in with Zuccarello and Kaprizov. First of all, I'd like to endorse and say God bless Frederick Goudreau and Ryan Hartman. They work hard. They're character guys. You know, every team needs those guys, right? So this is not an indictment on they shouldn't be on the team. They should be on the team. But Goudreau uh, was moved to in between Kaprizov and Zuccarello last night. Uh, Hartman's been moved to the Erickson Eck line on the right wing, which, again, I am fine with. I think he fits there. But um, I think what we're seeing is when you see Rossi in the flashes, right? Like you see the flashes. There is no question in my mind that e- even if it becomes a McDavid dry sidle only occasional thing, the potential lethalness of Rossi offensively playing with Zuccarello and Kaprizov is going to be far too enticing to continue to say we're going to have a we're basically going to have a mucker in between two and one incredibly elite player. They have tried literally anyone and everyone on that top line so far. So yes. Goudreau is a nice, reliable defensive bottom six guy. Um, I don't expect him to be playing top line minutes. He was fine. He he suppressed chances yesterday. He had a really good game analytically. He did. Yes, he did. At this point, if you're going to try anyone and everyone, you tried Tyson Jost up there who has been, who worked, who had a a nice, a better game yesterday too. But still, you're going to try anyone and everyone on that top line. Put Marco Rossi up there. You may as well. If, if we're going to try Goudreau, we're going to drive Tyson Jones. We've tried Ryan Hartman. The chemistry isn't there. You may as well put Marco Rossi, who I thought last night also had a really, really strong game. Um, you may as well put him with the two best playmakers on this team, who are obviously Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. So, you know, because they won, you know, Judd, classic hockey stuff, I don't think there's going to be that many changes going in uh, to this this next game on Thursday. But yep. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think at this point, if you're going to try him and he's now finally out of that doghouse, which was just weird to begin the season in general. Yeah, I don't even know it was one. I think it was just some weird. I don't know why you'd scratch him for that game. And why, why are you playing him on the fourth line? Yeah. I'm with you. So I, con- I think it's time. Him. I think it's time. Put him on the top line. You may as well. And my point is this. You don't even have to do it every single shift. But but there there are there are extended periods of time where in Edmonton, McDavid and Dreisaitl won't play together. And then... That at times they will. I think just to get to give you a potential boost and try it, see if it works. Um, it appears to me Kaprizov, who's never really, in my opinion, truly bad. Like he has the last two games, he scuffled in Boston a bit, and he sort of scuffled last night. You know, there were some opportunities that he ordinarily buries that he didn't. Um, but you know, I just. In some ways, I think it's fair to say this. Ryan Hartman, 2021-22, was Case Keenum, 2017. He had just a magical sort of year for him. He's just not that player. And so right now, I think the problem is that Zuccarello and Kaprizov can certainly set each other up, but they don't have right now anyone that can make plays. And Goudreau, uh, Goudreau is a ham and he is a classic ham and egger guy. He is like that. That goal he set up last night was it was a really nice. He intercepted the pass at center and made a nice play. Um, but he, you know, but but Marco Rossi has some flash to his game, and I think when you're talking about you know pairing he, pairing him potentially with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, you're you're talking about 
three potentially really elite, talented guys offensively who I think could give you a spark. Uh, and that is missing right now. And I don't think there's anyone else, including Eric Sinek, on this roster who you can plug in to to the center spot there and have potential success like you might be able to with Rossi. You you kind of knew that there was probably some more regression happening in Hartman's game. Felino, we've been waiting for it for years. Now you're finally seeing it. You know, just a guy who had an absurd shooting percentage who um, probably should be focused on getting more to the net and doing more of the gritty things that Felino is used to doing. Um, yeah. But I, I, in terms of Rossi, yeah, he's easily the most talented center that they have on this team that should be playing with both those guys in Carrillo and Matt Zuccarello. That, that chemistry between the two wingers is absurd. I'm not... It, it's not tr- it's not to say that the position in the center of them doesn't matter because it does matter 100% matters but you can get even more out of it if you put someone like Marco Rossi who could it could it could be le- like legitimately a lethal top line i know points wise Ryan Hartman had a great year last year right yeah he had a 30 goal season he was a bargain for what he was making kind of looked like oh th- this was a guy who was that first round pick 5 years ago and now is actually blossoming I think he's probably somewhere in the middle. He's probably more of the grinder that he was when he first got here with Minnesota. And the ceiling of what you saw last year is not who he's going to be. I don't see him being a regular 60-point dude. He's more like a 45, 50-point guy who maybe gets to 20 goals. Maybe he yep. gets to 20 goals, but he's more of a someone who can work, work his arse off and is a nice guy in the room. Um, and he probably is better served being outside of your top line. That's, and, and just because he had a good year last year doesn't mean you give him the benefit of the doubt that, well, this is a new exception. No, you have to kind and of work things really. out. Yeah, they're not. He, so, they, yeah, they pulled so the plug on it. Yes, which they should have. He mm-hmm. was awful. The first two games he was unplayable himself. Um, all right, I think it's time to to uh, sing the praises of one player in, in particular, and you probably know who I'm going to discuss, but he had eight shots on goal last night. Matthew Boldy's off to an incredible start, in my opinion. Yeah. Matthew Boldy is, he is turning into everything that we, how, how many wingers have we envisioned this for? Uh, Coyle and Greenway and Matthew Boldy is those guys. Uh-huh. Matthew Boldy is finally, I mean, this guy, um, Kaprizov's a superstar, so I don't want to call him, a, I don't want to call Boldy a superstar, but he is a star player. And so far in the midst of what has not been a great start, this guy to me absolutely has been fan. Fantastic. And I say that after he was very good once he got called up, obviously, last season. Yeah, he, he legit, you could make a case he's the MVP of the Wild so far. You can make a serious case he's the MVP. And, and I'm not saying that he's the best player on the Wild. Kirill Kaprizov is far and away still the best player on this team. But everyone had numerous questions if Boldy could be good without Fiala. And on the same side, can Fiala in LA be good without Matt Boldy? Um, Boldy's a star, dude. Boldy, Boldy is damn good. This is why they said, yep, later, Kevin Fiala, because we're going we're gonna to basically replace his production with a as good, if not better, player in Matt Boldy. He's been great. Um, he also has a chip on his shoulder, which I love. He's not just a passenger. He's not just kind of going through the motions and an aw shucks kind of young kid. There is a demeanor about that guy that is yep. mean and nasty and also someone who wants to be great and wants his team to be successful. There is no individual with him, which sometimes even I kind of... Uh, I kind of shrug at it's just like, you know, you can, we always do the classic hockey cliche of, oh, he's got to sell shots, and you know, it's about the team game. I, I like sometimes a guy that has a little bit more of an individual spark, because you don't just see it in hockey as much as you do in other sports. But mm-hmm. the opening night comments when he said, yeah, I had two goals tonight, but I would trade him back, you could tell he was pissed. Um, and just with his, 
you know, a lot of those interviews, let's be honest, on BSN are mostly fluff interviews and they're easy questions and they should be honestly easy questions when you're doing those ice side in-person interviews. Right. Um, yeah. But the way he answers them, you can tell that he he plays a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I I love the I love that. It's not just his play on the ice. I think his demeanor inside the room is so different than past young players that have been here that that's what's so impressive to me. Yes, yeah, he has the chip that that uh, Greenway certainly doesn't consistently have, and I don't think Coyle ever had. That's the thing about it, and that's where a big player can be so effective when you are playing a a. Not dirty, but nasty game. And he plays a nasty game. He he will go to places that a lot of guys don't like to, to go. Um, I do think that there is something to be said to walk back, I guess, my first comment a little bit. Uh, there's something to be said, too, for for the Rossi-Boldy combination. That second line I like, sure. which is which was Rossi-Boldy-Felino. I like that line. Um, and in the ideal world, you, you would have two centers – and they would both be offensively incredibly capable, and one would play with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and one would play with Boldy and and Felino, or take your pick. Um, but yeah, I think so. The other thing too is I do think from what we've seen now, uh, the games with Rossi now can end too. Like you know, you're not going to play tonight, kid, or you're going to be on the fourth line tonight. Um, I didn't get that from from the jump just cuz you don't have you don't have players who are good enough to to be like Marco you can learn from this. Um you just don't have those guys unfortunately. And so unless you think he just doesn't care, which I don't think is is the case. Uh the other thing is the play last night and I will say this Dex when this guy's gotten a chance, I think he's impressed. He is again to use the term probably a ham and egger type of player. Do <laughs> But Duhame, yeah. whenever Duhame gets a chance, I feel like he has a skill set that fits in really well. And and to have him on that third line with Erickson, Eck, and Hartman has seems to work out well. I think Duhame, among all those fourth-line guys that get run through, has emerged as a guy who is probably not a fourth-line guy. Yeah, I... I really like his game. He's a, he's a solid fourth line bottom six dude. Um, and I know yesterday he took things over. And I didn't mean my comments on the jab uh, off the top as a jab to him. It's more of you know can the rest of this team start scoring more five on five goals? Good for him to have a you know a, a really solid start and a really you know big win in Montreal in front of his home crowd. But yes, he has emerged as a really nice fourth line bottom six kind of dude. He's not just a placeholder. He's not just a guy you can plug in there because you have. X amount of players on a roster and someone has to play fourth line minutes. He's kind of emerged as a really solid ham and eggs. We should probably print those shirts. Ham and egg. Ham and eggers. That's a that's an old, old cliche I've, for hockey. I've never heard that one and I absolutely love it. Uh but yes, I think he Guys has go in the corners. He, he he's moved into a really, really solid position. But I, I think he's a third I, I think he is a third line guy. Like I, I don't think like I think that that you know what? He works his ass off. But the more I watch him, and I might be wrong. Tyson Joe strikes me as a fourth line guy. Sam Steele, I said that from the start. I said, why is Sam Steele playing above Rossi? I know he's got more time, but I don't care. Um, but I, I thought that that Steele Joe's DeWar line last night, fourth line was solid, and and that's absolutely fine. I think Duhame has emerged as a top nine guy, not a first liner, probably not a second liner, but I think with that, the the Erickson Eck line which is just going to be a work ethic line but what's weird about 
that line is it often has some skill. So it's not like devoid of skill. So it's not a fourth line because it's not just grind, grind, grind. They they actually score goals. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, they were responsible for all three goals last night. So they're a line that will grind, but also has high end enough skill to score. I think Duhame actually fits there more so than most guys. Now, when Greenway comes back, does he go back with Eck? And if they keep this together, Hartman, I don't know. Um, but that performance last night and Duhame's ability to get around the net is something I really like. And it seems obvious, but we've seen a lot of guys that don't do that. It's it's a certain skill. It's probably it's probably hockey smarts and savvy as well. Um, but I and I do like the fact that Dean and I wonder if he got some prodding on this Dex. I do like the fact that they juggled the lines last night. Um, I, I appreciated the fact that as things were going well last season, Dean left the lines largely together. But then when we got to, to the playoffs and things stagnated and he couldn't or didn't adjust, I said, what are you doing? Like, you've got to adjust something. I mean, meanwhile, Craig Berube, the St. Louis coach, is like adjusting everything. Um, I think the fact that they juggled the lines last night was smart. I think it definitely, it's not going to work in perpetuity, but it gave them at least a short-term spark. And I, I think the next move, even if it's not a full line juggling, is to give Rossi some time on that first line, even if you don't do it full-time because there's going to be certain defensive situations where you probably trust Goudreau more. I think that is the next thing to getting what you are calling for, and you're right, more five-on-five five goals. Yep. Putting him, you know, on the power play, I love. Uh, putting him in situations where you have an offensive zone face-off, you know, that's where you could put Marco Rossi in. Uh, you know, I, I love the, uh, I think it was Carter who said yesterday, you know, well, they pulled a little trickery there, putting, you know, Hartman and Goudreau in the face-off circle for the defense. Like, that's not trickery. They they just were designing themselves to set themselves up for... The three centers, yeah. which was smart. Yeah, which was... You know, how, you know how long that... That goes back to yes. Al Arbor in the eighties, the Islanders coach who won who won what four consecutive cups. Yeah, Al Arbor you, used to put I think Butch Goring and Trottier out for faceoffs just like that. Yeah, there, that's the trickery. There, there's no real uh, trickery there. I found cheap that funny. Shot, it's uncalled cheap shot, and but, you got my dander up. Also, about the cheap shots. Why is Lapanta throwing cheap shots at at Phil I, Kessel? Come on, I, what's wrong I, with Phil we, Kessel? He's who, who, well, who throws cheap shots at him? I okay so. Lepanta, Lepanta questioned Ke- the yes. the, uh, the legitimacy of Kessel's consecutive game streak because there was a game last year yeah. the Coyotes played in Detroit. Phil's Phil's first child was about to be born, and so they had a private plane waiting. They gave him one shift and then took him to the airport. He flew home and saw the Baby. the miracle of birth. Uh, Lepanta said, in his opinion, that that, sh- that that shouldn't have counted because it's basically trickery, again, to try and get one game. Now, now I have no problem with that hot take if you would say the same thing if Phil Kessel played for the Wild. That was my thing. Like, if you're going to say that, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. But but then you got to go Michael K, <laughs> yes, yes. the Yankees broadcaster who ripped the team up and down on his talk show. Yeah, that's true. That's my point. Hey, by the way, before we wrap here on yes. Judd's Hockey Show, Judd, uh, by the way. if you'd like to advertise also on this podcast or any of our Score North podcasts, uh, we can talk about your business and drive local audience to your business service, uh, business or service. Visit scorenorth.com and enter keyword partner. Complete the form. 
and we'll have our one of our account executives reach out to you and get you the same great results our current advertisers are achieving. So if you, you've heard us talk about Showboys, we've talked about Underdog Fantasy, obviously Surly Brewing Company, Livia. You've heard the great success stories that I've been on Judd's Hockey Show and other Score North-related programming. If that's a business that you are running or a business even that you think would be a great fit for Score North, mm, go to scorenorth.com, keyword partner, fill out the form, and we'll get back to you ASAP. Are these two faces endorsing your product? Can you imagine the sales? They would go right through the roof. All right, Declan. All right, uh, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show. We'll be back also later this week. Judd's voice got back skated. He's, uh, he's working through it. He's, he's getting out of the fourth line. It's he's better than it was yesterday. It's best, much better. So hit the subscribe button, Daily Minnesota Wild Entertainment. And, of course, this is about one thing and one thing only. Pass your score. Listen, you guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard work and having fun. That. This is about winning. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me October 4th for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms. Forms.